Welcome to Conversations in Business with RSM, where we talk to business leaders and experts to gain valuable insights that will help you move your business forward. Thank you for joining us on another episode of Conversations in Business with RSM. Uh, I'm Mark Humphreys. I'm a director in the legal department, and I'm joined by my colleague, Philip Kruger, who's similarly a director in the legal department. And today we'll be discussing uh, vaccinations in the workplace and some policy considerations around that. And yeah, let's get right into it. Phil, do you think that uh, employers can legally require their employees to be vaccinated? What is the legal position? Well, Mark, we've seen um, some legislation being passed in that regard, and specifically then looking at um, the consolidated direction on occupational health and safety measures in certain workplaces. Um, this was issued already by the Department of Labor on 11 June uh, this year. And indeed, it does allow employers to adopt and implement a policy uh, which would make vaccination in the workplace mandatory. However, in doing so, one has to have, be cognizant of the fact that um, you have to comply with Annexus C to that direction. And it has a number of requirements. Um, the first, of course, being the key principle that uh, employees and, empl- and employers must treat each other with mutual respect. And then also a, a very high premium placed then on public health considerations and also then the constitutional rights of employees. And importantly, also focusing on the efficient operation of the employer's business. Importantly, employees then must be notified uh, if they are in a position where they would have to be vaccinated. So typically it might be someone who's client-facing or it might be someone who would deal a lot with the public or interact a lot with, with the public. Those employees can then refuse. Um, and the employer, if they do refuse, must counsel those employees and can send them for medical evaluation. Generally, such refusal would have to be based on either constitutional grounds or medical grounds. And then if the employee still refuses after having been either counseled or sent for medical evaluation or both, um, if necessary, then the employer must take reasonable steps to accommodate that employee in a position that would not require vaccination. So it may, for instance, be that such an employee would be working off-site, would be working from home, perhaps work outside of normal business hours, or or even just wear a N95 mask when interacting with the public. Uh, Yes, there's a very interesting directive to read. And what I think is interesting is the risk assessment that uh, employers were required to to undertake, and, and in so doing to decide whether or not to make vaccination of the employees mandatory. Um, And what's interesting there is the wording that's used, it says to identify those employees by virtue of the risk of transmission through their work or by risk for severe COVID-19 disease or death due to their age or comorbidities uh, that must then be vaccinated. So if you read that language, what's interesting is it's not really anticipating that your entire workforce should be mandated to be vaccinated unless those particular um, risks are apparent. And I think a lot of employers, you know, especially we've seen with the, with the public debate in the last couple of weeks, a lot of employers have, have misconstrued this directive as well. It doesn't allow you to force your employees to have the vaccine. There's nothing in this uh, particular directive which says that you may, for example, restrain your employee and stick a needle in their arm. Uh, that mm-hmm. goes against every constitutional principle that we have. 
Um, and, and I think what, 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 uh, what will flow from that is that if employees are then hesitant to become vaccinated or do not wish to become vaccinated, whatever constitutional ground, uh, employers will need to be very cautious about the approach that they take towards those employees. So do they dismiss them on the, uh, for misconduct, which I don't think would ever be possible? And secondly, the other grounds for dismissal may be incapacity and similarly may be uh, operational requirements. Um, but those need to be carefully considered. And I'd, I'd encourage employers to, to seek proper legal advice before barging ahead with, uh, with any type of uh, mandatory vaccine where they intend to dismiss employees. Quite right, Mark. And I, I think what, what often gets left aside in the wake is the fact that the rights in the Constitution that effectively would be limited by this mandatory vaccination policy are fundamental rights, and they're fundamental rights for a reason. They are that important in an open and democratic society. And any limitation in that regard would certainly have to pass muster in respect of, of the limitation of rights provision uh, being Section 36 of the Constitution. So what are your views on staff being incentivized to being vaccinated? Mark, I would advise employers there to exercise extreme caution. Employees who do not wish to be vaccinated based on then either medical or constitutional grounds may end up alleging that employers' actions in respect of these incentive uh, schemes that are adopted may constitute unfair discrimination and unfair labour practice. My view would be that ultimately there's a very thin line between incentivising employees to be vaccinated and then the, the, the contrary to that being perceived to be coercing employees into being vaccinated. And that line can be so difficult to successfully navigate that I would err on the side of caution and I would advise employers to steer clear of uh, participating in such practices. No, definitely, I couldn't agree more. And if you have, a, have regard to the provisions of the Employment Equity Act, Section 5 says that you may not discriminate directly or indirectly against an employee in any employment policy or practice. And that's on the basis of conscience, belief, or any other arbitrary ground. So really, we have this legislated uh, provision that prevents us from discriminating against employees. And that, as, as the legislation anticipates, that can be done through indirect measures as well, such as with this incentive. And in the past, where we've seen this is, for example, with trade unions, where employees are incentivized not to join trade unions. Now, that, that type of labor practice is specifically now prohibited in terms of Labor Relations Act. And similarly, I, I think a court would take a very similar view uh, and a dim view of such a practice. It's, I just don't think that um, the employer could justify it. But one of the, one of the uh, grounds that you can justify discrimination in terms of the Employment Equity Act is though, that it's not unfair discrimination um, to distinguish or exclude or prefer any person on the basis of an inherent requirement of the job. And I think it will be difficult to prove, you know, given that most of us have worked from home for extended periods during the course of last year. So unless your job involves physical toil, I think it's going to be difficult to say that um, it's an absolute requirement of the job that you are at the office and vaccinated. I think it would be very difficult for an employer to, to justify that. And similarly, I think another argument is a cautionary note to employers is that in incentivizing a vaccine, for example, 
there also comes risk because what happens if you incentivize an employee who's hesitant to become vaccinated because of uh, you know, previous allergic reactions or adverse, uh, adverse effects that they've had from previous vaccines like the flu vaccine or any of the other vaccines that are available? They then take the, the vaccine that you've mandated and incentivized and then on that basis, they become ill and either become permanently disabled or temporarily disabled or even uh, results in death. The risk to an employer would be, I think, significant in those circumstances, particularly where you've got family members who will want answers and say, well, this employee took this particular vaccine because you said to him you could get whatever the incentive is and it was mandatory in the workplace. Absolutely, Mark. I think, you know, as with everything else, uh, when it comes to legislation and court decisions, you need to see the legislation and the court decision, uh, or be it a policy decision, within the context or the greater context um, and the history of the South African environment. Um, I think throughout uh, the last couple of decades, at least, South Africa's labour legislation has generally been geared towards protecting employees and protecting those fundamental rights. And even though the pandemic shifts that, and certainly we've seen internationally how civil liberties are are, are being sort of withheld from, from individuals who may choose not to vaccinate, I don't necessarily think that the fundamental rights of employees and that sensitive relationship between employer and employee will necessarily be tipped to such an extent that there can be this this absolute disregard uh, for fundamental rights when it comes to whether or not an employee wants to be vaccinated. Absolutely correct. And I think that takes us to our our next point as well, is employers are deciding whether to have mandatory vaccines. They need to balance the safety of the employees who are vaccinated and those who are not. And obviously, they need to adopt measures in the workplace that can protect both vaccinated employees and unvaccinated employees. And I think some employers are probably better equipped to um, to do that. For example, having separate areas within which unvaccinated employees can work, maybe utilising an N95 mask or the like, and keeping the vaccinated employees uh, separated from them. There are reasonable measures that an employer can take. Not all employers, but some employers can definitely do that. Absolutely, Mark. And I think, you know, when when we look at the balancing of rights and really sort of juxtaposing these two rights against one another, um, you're looking at at very different substantive rights, but ultimately it's all about protection. So the the Occupational Health and Safety Act would indeed place an obligation on the employer to ensure that the employer provides a safe workplace for for both employees and the public. Uh, But that then, of course, must be viewed against and must be balanced against the constitutional rights of the employees, and whether they wish to be vaccinated or not. Um, It's clear that the direction would require an employee must reasonably accommodate uh, such an employee who would not wish to be vaccinated. But again, there for me, the, the emphasis there is on the word reasonably. You know, it may very well be that if the majority of the employer's staff do not wish to be vaccinated, what ultimately will happen is that the efficiency and the viability of that employer's business might be compromised, and in which case the employer will then not be able to reasonably accommodate employees in such a manner indefinitely which potentially could result in dismissals for operational requirements, et cetera. But again, even in that process, 
operational requirements, again, brings a certain measure of protection to that employee to ensure that the best was done and the consultative process was followed in order to ensure both substantive and procedural fairness. Uh, absolutely correct. And I think what a lot of employers forget, though, is their, their requirements in terms of the Occupational Health and Safety Act to provide a, a safe working environment. And that's both for vaccinated and unvaccinated employees. And that takes me into the, into the next uh, issue to discuss, and that's around sick leave. So, you know, what happens if an employee contracts COVID-19 whilst at the office and they are unvaccinated. I've heard some employers tell me that in those circumstances, they are going to tell the staff that are unvaccinated that they cannot have sick leave and that it's an unpaid period. Now, unfortunately, that cannot ever be the case. Uh, Section 22 of the Basic Conditions of Employment Act prescribes what a person's entitlement is to sick leave. And basically, your sick leave is the number of days that you would work in a six-week period every 36 months. So it's a 36-month cycle. Mm. And what the requirement of, the, of sick leave is, is that you're incapacitated. So that's why quarantining, for example, uh, doesn't constitute sick leave. And that's specifically dealt with in terms of the tourist directive, where you can claim a special uh, leave uh, under those provisions of the tourist directive. But insofar as sick leave is concerned, if an employee contracts COVID-19, they would be entitled to utilize their sick leave, whether or not they are vaccinated. And if that sick leave is then utilized, fully utilized during that period, then the employee would only then move on to unpaid leave. And if they do contract COVID-19 in the workplace, then they could also qualify for compensation through, uh, through the Compensation for Injuries and Diseases Act. But in that case, you would need to demonstrate that the COVID-19 was actually acquired through workplace exposure and typically that's demonstrated through a known source of COVID-19 at the workplace. So, for example, one of your colleagues tested positive and they were at the workplace um, the day before they tested positive. And in that case, COIDA, uh, the Compensation for Occupational Injuries and Diseases Act, uh, would either pay out for a temporary or permanent disability. So, for example, if, if the strain of COVID that you caught was particularly severe, that resulted in damage to your lungs or, or the like, and you're not able to work moving forward, that would be taken into consideration in determining what compensation you would be entitled to. Absolutely, Mark. And I think there we see again that the mechanisms that are utilised within the, the sort of COVID-19 pandemic environment are not necessarily mechanisms that weren't present before. So again, we see that that sort of trend forming where, where yes, we're dealing with a very specific situation and a very severe situation. And certainly, certain legislative pieces such as the direction has come into place to deal with that specifically, but within the greater context of our historic environment and the existing mechanisms as we knew them. Definitely. And the other question that we get asked quite a lot is around service providers to our clients. So let's say, for example, one of our clients, um, their business requires uh, independent service providers to render services, for example, maintenance upkeep of a building, that sort of stuff. Are, are our clients in those circumstances, are they entitled in your mind to say to those service providers that you need to ensure that your staff are fully vaccinated before they attend on our, on our premises? You know, Mark, that's a very interesting question. And I think it's, it's going to be one that's going to become very prevalent uh, in the immediately foreseeable future. My view on that is that in general, 
an organization would be within their rights to state that right of admission to their premises is reserved and therefore they would indeed be able to implement a policy which would require service providers and the staff of service providers to be vaccinated before entry to their premises would be allowed. The real claim then that service provider could raise in respect of such a policy if they were to have individuals who do not want to be vaccinated is that such a refusal of admission to the premises results in arbitrary discrimination against the unvaccinated individual. However, even though that claim might be possible to raise against such a policy, I would think that given the obligation of the Occupational Health and Safety Act and and the obligation that it places on employers to ensure that it provides a safe workplace for employees and the public, as well as in the premium placed on public health considerations during the COVID-19 pandemic, I would struggle to foresee such a claim uh, being successful and being successfully raised. I think in this manner, it is really then social and economic pressure that eventually will necessitate that employees would have to be vaccinated in order to ensure that their employer's business remains viable and that really in order to ensure their own job security as well. 100% correct. Well, I absolutely agree. It's going to be one of the mechanisms, I think, whereby pressure is is placed on those unvaccinated employees to become vaccinated. Most employees who are vaccine hesitant the ones that I've come across have communicated that they will remain unvaccinated until the pressures from their workplace are too significant for them no longer to be vaccinated. So I think in in this case, it it might be one of the indirect measures by which employees become vaccinated. And I think employees also need to be careful because whilst on one hand, the employer can't force you to be vaccinated in these circumstances, if you are an employee who is essential For example, you are an electrician and the only way you can render your services is by attending at a client's premises. And let's say, for example, your biggest client is one of the banks and they require you to be fully vaccinated before attending on their premises. If you're unable to do that and you've been going there for the last 10 years, but now all of a sudden are are unwilling to be vaccinated and as a consequence are unable to attend at that bank's particular premises, your employer in those circumstances, would need to firstly attempt to reasonably accommodate you. But the reasonable accommodation only goes so far. And ultimately, if the employer is unable to accommodate you on a reasonable basis, and that may be in the form of, for example, alternative duties that might even result in uh, having you uh, have a significant or even quite a drastic pay cut, in those circumstances, uh, if they are unable to accommodate you, an employer would then be able to probably look at either an incapacity dismissal or a dismissal based on operational requirements. But it, again, it, it can never be stressed enough that in those circumstances, an employer must be very careful how they proceed. They should always seek legal advice before proceeding to dismiss an employee, particularly as it's incumbent on an employer to ensure that if they dismiss an employee, that it is both procedurally and substantively fair. And by substantively fair, that always means, is there a good reason to dismiss the employee? So in this case, the reason to dismiss would be because you're unable to reasonably accommodate that particular employee in your business. But you must be able to demonstrate that it's that you are unable to accommodate and that you've maybe made attempt to make uh, other positions available without success. The employee was not sufficiently skilled. There were no additional positions available. 
so forth and so on. But that needs to be properly documented. And again, I urge employers to seek proper advice before they embark upon this. Absolutely, Mark. And I think, you know, with, with thinking about that procedural fairness and, and substantive fairness, you know, one thing that employers also needs to bear in mind is the magnifying glass that's going to be on these types of decisions uh, in the immediate future. We've, we've seen a number of large corporates who have decided to implement mandatory vaccination policies. And I think how they are going to be dealing with that procedurally and substantively is really going to be analysed in whatever comes in the future. You know, just to add to that as well, one of the one of the biggest risks that it will face an employer in dismissing in those circumstances would be the, the automatically unfair dismissals as envisaged in the Labor Relations Act. And basically what those grounds cover is being dismissed for arbitrary grounds, for example, sexual preference or your race or ethnicity. But what it also covers are some of the other constitutional grounds like conscience and, uh, and, and religion even. So to be very careful that when you, if you dismiss an employee in these circumstances, because it may, depending on the approach you take, fall into an automatically unfair dismissal. And the risk with automatically unfair dismissals is that they're automatically referred to the labor court once they've been conciliated in the, in the CCMA. But the risk is the, is the level of, of the compensation that an employee could win in those circumstances or could be awarded in those circumstances up to 24 months. So it's a significant amount of, of compensation. And if you've got multiple employees that you've, that you've dismissed in those circumstances, the compensation that you could be, that you should, that you could be um, paying to employees who are dismissed might be very punitive. And it just needs to be carefully considered before employee, employers embark upon a, a line in the sand approach, saying either you're vaccinated or not, and in those cases, you're dismissed. Absolutely not. Couldn't agree more. The other issue, which I think is quite interesting, and I suppose it touches a bit on, on POPIA as well, the Protection of Personal Information Act, is when hiring new employees, some employers now might require that you demonstrate that you're vaccinated. What's your view on that, for given particularly your expertise in POPIA? Well, Mark, firstly, I think, I would suggest that an, an employee would indeed uh, be in a position to request proof of vaccination, particularly if the employer has implemented a policy in terms of which it considers vaccination to be mandatory and this position might be one of those positions in which you would have obligated that employee uh, to be vaccinated. So certainly uh, the direction would be without teeth if you weren't able to do that. What should be kept in mind, as you quite rightly point out, is that such a new employee would be well within their rights to refuse to provide uh, such information and then they could base that refusal then either on medical or constitutional grounds. And then, as you pointed out again, furthermore, employers must bear in mind that any such information provided by a potential employee or existing employee relating to their vaccination status would be considered to be special personal information in respect of the Protection of, Protection of Personal Information Act. And therefore, there's a, there's a higher threshold of protection. So, so what would be necessary in order for employers to process that information would be an express, voluntary and informed consent, which would be essential before the employer could even think about processing that information. And then secondly, that the employer would have to comply with the rest or the remaining of the provisions of POPIA in respect of safeguarding that information and ensuring then that they take 
reasonable and appropriate technical and organizational measures in order to protect that information once they have gathered it, once they have started processing it. So certainly data privacy would be paramount uh, in that regard. But definitely, and that, and that would be applicable even to existing employees because what you're probably going to find as well moving forward is that more and more employers are going to call on their employees to demonstrate to them that they are fully vaccinated, for example. Quite right, Mark. And I think what employers would have to bear in mind is that with vaccination status being a medical ground or medical information that we are talking about, um, it's not just regarded as personal information. If it was merely personal information as defined in terms of the Protection of Personal Information Act, we could have relied on the fact that we had a contract with the employee as an employer and in order to perform in terms of that contract, uh, we would have to process the information. However, with this being medical information, it is included within the definition of special personal information and therefore having that express voluntary informed consent is absolutely paramount uh, before gathering that information. Thank you for, for, for those very uh, insightful comments. I think it's going to be interesting to see how the mandatory vaccines were, uh, progress in the workplaces, you know, particularly given the public comments that we've seen over the last couple of weeks, both from employers and employees. And it'll be interesting to see if trade unions, for example, embed themselves in these matters. It could always make for, for some interesting reading. But thank you for that, Phil, and uh, we'll, we'll chat to our, our listeners again soon, hopefully. Great. Thanks, Mark. That was Conversations in Business with RSM. Experience the power of being understood. Experience RSM. Visit rsmza.co.za.